Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 82 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I am one of your hosts here, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Jim Wexel. And we have a very special guest with us today, Mike DeFabo from The Athletic. Mike, how are you this fabulous Wednesday? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on the show. And it's a quick turnaround this week for the Steelers following that loss to Jacksonville. Uh, injuries to Kenny Pickett, injuries to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. But let's talk the activity in the NFL trade deadline or the lack thereof for your Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't make any moves. Um, and are they fine? Is the state of this team okay? Or are they just being prudent? Uh, and, and Mike, let's start out with you, your take. Well, I think when you look at the NFL trade deadline, it's not like other trade deadlines like NHL or Major League Baseball. And the reason for that is because team development is really important in football. You have training camp for a reason. It's not like baseball where you could pluck a left fielder and he could start the next day. There is an acclimation process. So historically, there have not been as many trades in football. It's only been in recent years where there have been some. And I think some people were intrigued that maybe Omar Khan with his aggressive nature and his nickname, the con artist, you know, he would go make some big trade. And he showed last year that he's not afraid to do that with Chase Claypool. I think the situation was maybe just the prices didn't line up and the the deals didn't come together. I know there was some speculation and some smoke that maybe the Steelers were interested in Chicago corner, uh, Jalen Johnson. I think that would have been a very intriguing addition to the Steelers because of the fact that I think that they could continue to make over that position. They've already begun to do so. But um, that that would have re really required not only trading for the player, but also signing and extending him because the Steelers are not in a position where you want a rental to push you over the edge. You have to be thinking long term. And, and I think that it made sense that that deal didn't get done because in essence, you would have had to trade both a pick and also paid the guy. You're kind of paying twice for the guy. You could kind of just wait till free agency this year and then spend that money accordingly. Well, I tell you, um, I think they turned him down because we already have a Jalen. Don't want to confuse the media guys, right? No, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was great that Omar went after him because I, I do believe pieces can be picked up. Um, you know, valuable pieces here and there. Don't don't get silly with it. And I don't think they were. And I think they picked the right guy. I think they need a cornerback badly. I mean, even with the injuries now, even if they were healthy, you would need, you know, Levi Wallace is a Band-Aid right now. Patrick Peterson is 33 years old. James Pierre is not the up-and-coming guy, and neither is Darius Rush, in my opinion, after watching him. Sorry, Darius. But uh, I think another corner, even though I, I, I heard the talk shows yesterday, they couldn't believe they were going after a defender when this offense is so bad. But it's a piece. They need that corner. They're going to have to draft a corner, at least with the second round pick. So uh, uh, going after Jalen Johnson, a young guy uh, looking for his second contract, and yes, you would have to pay him. But if you, if you couldn't pay him, you, you'll get a nice cop pick back. You'll probably get a third round pick back. And that's probably where the negotiations with the Bears started. The Bears are going to get a third round pick back if they don't sign. Maybe fourth, but likely a third as comp pick in free agency. So they were probably looking for a second round pick. 
And I saw the one the one report that the Steelers were offering a third and fifth. That sounded exactly right to me. Uh, you know, we'll give you we'll give you a little more than that third round pick, and maybe we'll sign him, and maybe we won't have to use our second round pick next year on a corner. And this guy's more experienced. Um, it all made sense to me, but the Bears probably just said, you know, third and a fifth, we'll keep this guy. You know, I mean, there was a reason the Steelers were after him, right? So anyway, uh, I, I didn't see any offensive guys really worthy of going after. I mean, if you're going to trade Najee for Derrick Henry, if you can do that straight up, all right. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, they're not going to bring in another receiver, even though they probably need one, but they're not going to bring one in. Yeah. And maybe maybe Chicago felt fleeced last year after that uh, Claypool trade. They're like, yeah. we're done doing business with you guys. A little gun shy. Yeah, a little gun shy. But we, we talked about the trade deadline passing. The, the team tried to make an effort to improve at least the back end of the defense. But there are uh, lots of problems surrounding the Steelers team that was evident. Uh, nothing really surprising or new out of this Jacksonville game. But, Jim, let's talk about the state of the Steelers at this point. Uh, I'm sure a lot of viewers and listeners out there are wondering if there's still hope that this team can get better and improve, especially offensively. Um, the defense has been out on the field uh, much too long uh, in all of these contests. But where is this Steelers team currently? Um, and Jim and Mike would like to hear from both of you on this one. Well, you know, Pickett has to get better. And Pickett needs more. That's the one thing people are forgetting. This guy's a second-year guy. Give him a minute. And he's shown us, he's shown us quite a bit with his fourth quarter comebacks. Can it really be that difficult in the first quarter? You know, you know, I, I think of I love rock music and I love Neil Young. And he did a he debuted uh rock rocking in the free world on Saturday Night Live. And it's such a such a hard charging song, and it's such a cold stage to walk out and do that on TV. It's not like he's doing it as an encore at the end of a, a performance. So this was a little difficult. So you had the band doing all kind of push-ups and jumping jacks and all kind and it was an incendiary performance. So I mean, do these guys need to do more push-ups and jumping jacks? I don't know. <laughs> they they just look dead out there in the first first quarter, and they look like they're walking on eggshells. You know, it wasn't a perfect pass, but Deont to Deontay Johnson, but it should have been caught. So, you know, in the offensive line, I'd like to think is coming along. And they did add a tackle, and he's going to be playing. Um, I, I think they they still need a center. Isaac Ciamalo's playing better, but he's he he missed a, 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 a stunt and it cost him a sack. So um, I would like to think the offensive line's getting better, and the quarterback will get better. So. In that regard, they have a chance because they get Minka back eventually and Cam back if they're still hanging around. And, and uh, you know, uh, and they need a running back. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to belabor this point about Najee Harris. But um, Jalen's better, but I don't know that Jalen – I don't know if Jalen can afford to keep playing football. I know with all these fines, <laughs> like the more he plays, the more money he loses. He's going negative in the bank account instead of making money playing in the NFL. At this point, I mean, Jim, I I think that for me, it's it's weird because it seems like it's the same formula every week from the Steelers. Like they come out and the first quarter is just this mess of three and outs. 
and they can't run the ball effectively. You know, the passing game has been inconsistent, the play calling. I think when you have an offense that is near the bottom of the league in so many categories, there's not one person to blame or one finger to point. To me, it seems like this is a problem that's kind of pervasive and it's going to be difficult to fix because of that. Um, But, you know, I'll just highlight one thing that's been puzzling to me, and that's been the running game. Last year when the Steelers offense was struggling, they went into the bye week and they emerged as the eighth best rushing team the final nine games of the season. And my whole thinking was, okay, they found it. They figured out their identity. They, whatever, you know, Najee Harris was either injured or not hitting the holes hard enough. They figured that out. They figured out their blocking schemes. They found their identity. And I thought the whole point of this year was you have that as your floor. You have that as the reliable piece that when things aren't going well, you know you can lean on the ground game. And then the hope was Kenny would take a step and you would be able to add, you know, the the passing game to it. I'll, I'll make the analogy since Jim made his rock analogy. For me, it's like Happy Gilmore. Like, you know, he hits these long drives and he hits these long drives. And then all of a sudden he's, he looks over and he's like, uh-oh, Happy learned how to putt. That was going to be Kenny learned how to throw and they opened up the passing game and it was going to complement this great rushing attack. Instead, what happened is this ground game has just completely disappeared. And it's not only bad, it's sunk to new lows, even worse than it was the first half of last year. 28% of their runs go for zero or negative yards. So when Kenny Pickett is talking about how there's always this one play that sets them behind the chains, very often it's that running, uh, a running play that's doing so. Yeah. So, Mike, let's drill into that a little bit um, because, and first of all, I think that's super insightful. What What is it or what is that difference from last year to this year with the running attack, especially after the addition of offensive linemen who were supposed to elevate this unit? Uh, bully ball. We talked about the, the bully run game that we were supposed to have this year, but we're not seeing that on the field. Is it is it the defenses don't uh, fear Kenny Pickett and his arm and they're just teeing up on the run or is it more schematic? I think it's everything. Again, I think it's really when the problems are are this big, I think that it's everything. And I think, you know, we thought that bringing in Isaac Sayamalu, you were going to get the Eagles offensive line because you had one Eagles player. Well, I, I think that we're starting to see that play next to Jason Kelsey maybe had something to do with Isaac Sayamalu. I think he's still a solid, dependable guy when he's at his best. But I think he's been a bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, I think that Mason Cole, who's a guy that we all love in the locker room, he's funny, good to hang out with. I think that he's regressed and having a tough season. Um, and then, you know, if you draft an offensive tackle in the first round and he's on your bench, he's not going to really help you. And that, I think that's the other part of it, too. So, you know, I don't think that the upgrades were as significant as we imagined. And then I think that um, the play calling is predictable. I think that uh, Kenny's not doing enough and the, the passing game's not doing enough to back some of the safeties off um, or to make these linebackers wonder if it's play action. So, you know, I think it kind of is, again, like with everything with the Steelers offense, it's a bit of everything. I will add that Jacksonville is very good up front. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're coming off a game where I don't think the Steelers really tried to run, and I, I applaud them for opening up with the pass game. And then hopefully that would open up the run game. But that that's a brutal front. And they were playing on 10 days rest. As I said before the game, we hadn't seen the best Jacksonville yet. They're on the rise just as the Steelers are. <laughs> so 
I think right now we're in that phase of just watching them play against an 85 Bears type. I mean, those two uh, pass rushers, that's that's that. That's a pretty talented pair. I, I almost I want to say they're the best in the league, but every week I seem to say that. And the Steelers have one that's pretty good too, a duo. Um, so I'll say that about the run game there. Um, I'll also say that I asked that exact question, Jeremy, that you asked of Mike. Can you put your finger on why? After I, I, I did the averages for my story this morning. Is like. Didn't they average like 140 yards last year per game down the stretch after the bye? And this year it's only 80 yards a game. Yep. As a team. And they're running 11 times less per game, which if you're going 3.4 per pop, you probably shouldn't run any more. And right. people say they, they got to keep battering Najee into the line. I don't see that as helping anything on third and eight again. And, and I wonder if Najee – gained too much weight and took a step back. I mean, he's obsessed with weight building and, and I just, Le'Veon Bell said he needs to lose 25 pounds and he, he is more Le'Veon Bell than he is Derrick Henry. So maybe he should play to that strength. So um, anyway, uh, I did ask Canada that and Canada said, you'd have to look at each play. There are a lot of things going wrong in each play, something like that. It's like, a non-answer, but he, I guess he can't say the offensive line isn't as good as we expected, and Najee's regressed. Well, that's and- exactly that's the answer that he he would have looked. He couldn't answer that question, and he said, "I can't put my finger on it." When you said that, and the truth is, the offensive line is still not very good. The running back we drafted in the first round is not dynamic enough to prove that he's uh, worthy of being a first-round pick, and we're not doing enough in the passing game to open things up. Like there is an answer to that question. He just didn't want to throw his players under the bus, I think. And also he's part to blame too. You know, uh, he has something to do with it, designing the plays and picking when they're called, but he's not going to throw himself under the bus. Not that either. Yeah. Mike, are you telling us he's not 100% of the problem that if he goes away, everything's going to be fixed. I don't think so. I think that this is going to take more than just changing the offensive coordinator to fix the run game. I mean, I think the, this offseason, the Steelers are going to have to both draft and sign offensive linemen. Um, like and, and totally examine the, the other assistant coaches. You know, there's always Dick Hoke for how many years? Well, was it like almost 50 years? Was the run game coordinator without being called the run game coordinator? The offensive line coach would get up on the board and say, you got to do this, you got to do that. And we're, we're going to do this play. And, um, Dick Hoke would say, hey, we can't block that up. That's not going to work. And then they would make the corrections of what, how to coordinate the run game. It's not just the pass game. So whether it's the offensive line coach, the running backs coach, tight ends coach, you know, they have to, they have to get somebody that understands the run game the way Mike Munchak did. He was run game coordinator too. So uh, there's that too, the talent and coaching. Yeah. So if we frame this loss, what what's the meaning of this loss for the team and for the remainder of the season? Again, we talked about the quick turnaround this week, playing Thursday night against the Titans. Um, what does it mean and how does this team respond, especially without Pickett, without – well, potentially without Pickett. I know it's going to be a game-time decision. Without Fitzpatrick, what do you see playing out Thursday night? Well, I think, I think what's happened is the Steelers have kind of been using the same formula – and been flirting with losing you know the the formula has been the offense is going to struggle 
and the defense is going to really carry them um, and produce mostly splash plays. They've been a team that's been very, very dependent upon that timely turnover that really changes the tide, either the momentum or produces points. And I think in this game, they kind of found out that's not sustainable. At one point, the Steelers, I mean, overall, the Steelers defense gave up one touchdown, which should win the game. At one point, they were winning the turnover battle 3-0, and they were still down 17-3 to in the game. So, you know, I, I think that the sample size is big enough that kind of this is the team, this is their formula, um, but is it going to work? I have concerns after seeing the last game. I don't know if it's their planned formula to suck in the beginning. Well, of the that, game. Yeah. <laughs> it's not on purpose, but they've been flirting with this. When the offense is this bad and you're that dependent on the turnover, you know, Deontay has to catch the damn ball and Chooks has to block and, you know, on and on and on. So um, I don't know that it's, it's as bad a loss as everybody wants to make it feel. I, I, I'm very happy that they're playing Thursday again in, in the interactive media world. These losses can be depressing, even if you're not a fan of the team. It's it's brutal dealing with the angry fans. And, uh, you know, that was an ugly game against Jacksonville. Um, but they can make up for it. I mean, this quarterback is a rookie playing his second game. I can't see him having that big of a game or anything close to that kind of game. They shut Derrick Henry. My Landon Roberts is champing at the bit. You know, they use their inside linebackers differently. And, and I think they're starting to get the run defense part. The pass defense is still hideous. Last in the NFL in yards per completion. They still give up those big big plays and still can't tackle back there. Um, so uh, that will have to improve. But I don't see it really being affected, uh, attacked much by a rookie quarterback, even though he threw four bombs last game. So, you know, if they focus on Derrick Henry, which I think they can, and then they can get back on a winning track in the Packers next week. And hopefully, you know, Cam might Cam might come out and start this game. That would give the entire stadium a jolt. If he's the last defender uh, uh, introduced, I can see that. Because oh, yeah. he, he was running first team in the walkthrough. It's just a walkthrough, but he was running first team. And he confirmed it with me. But um, And then Minka comes back. And, uh, you know, by then, Kenny getting warmed up, getting his – getting his groove going and Jalen's uh, the primary ball carrier, even though he's broke. But so it, it can, <laughs> it can turn around. Yeah. Well, we don't have to wait too long for uh, to see what the outcome is following this disappointing loss. Um, anything else you want to hit on before we wrap up? I'm good, Mike. What do you got? Well, one thing that I want to just bring up when we didn't get to the impact of Minka's injury and and one thing I think, obviously, you lose an all-pro guy, that's going to be significant. But I think it's the type of player that you're losing in the opponent as well. And the Steelers love to run that three-safety package. And that was born out of a desire to limit two tight end teams. Well, here come the Tennessee Titans, and they run the most, they're the third most frequent two tight end team in the league. And they feature their tight end a lot. You know, a lot of people have been saying, like, why does it make a have more interceptions and stuff like that? The reason is because he's been so dedicated towards guarding and defending the tight end. I think that this is going to be the game when you realize, like, oh, this is this is uh, what why Minka didn't have those interceptions. And this is what he was doing so well. So that's really a matchup I'm looking to see uh, in this game is like, 
how does the Steelers defense counter now that they're missing a guy that was such an important piece of solving that puzzle? That's an excellent point. And I saw that tweet you made today. Uh, and uh, I tell you, if you want to follow a good Steelers reporter, he's, 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 he's second year on the beat or first year? Uh, second. I got picked up the practice squad in the middle of last year, made the team, <laughs> and stuck around. Mike's very good. I suggest you follow him on Twitter. He makes me laugh sometimes, and he comes up with good nuggets like that. Other than that, Jeremy, I, I, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, so, so, Mike, if you want to give us your uh, Twitter handle for the audience out there and where they can check out your work. Sure, absolutely. You can just find me um, real simple at Mike DeFabo, D-E-F-A-B-O is the last name. All right, outstanding. And you can check out Jim's work at the Still City Insider and also give him a follow on X at Jim Wexel. You can give me a follow at Still Study and we will see you back here next week for episode number 83 of the Still City Insider podcast. Have a great week, everyone.